Hi, and welcome to Pillsbury's Industry Insights Podcast, where we discuss current legal and practical issues in finance and related sectors. I'm Joel Simon, a partner at the international law firm Pillsbury Winthrop Shaw Pittman. To our friends from wherever you're tuning in, welcome and thank you for listening. Today, I'm pleased to introduce you to Richard Evans, a partner in Pillsbury's Global Finance Group. Richard is dual qualified as an attorney in California and a solicitor of England and Wales. He focuses his practice on finance and leasing transactions involving commercial aircraft and private jets. Richard, welcome to our podcast. Hi, Joel. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to speak to you today. What I usually tell people for my elevator pitch is that I help people and companies buy, sell, lease, and finance airplanes. This ranges from advising a high net worth individual on a jet subscription contract to negotiating multi-billion dollar capital markets transactions for commercial leasing companies. Um, That means my work is very international and our aviation clients get the benefit of our network of offices in Los Angeles, New York, London, Hong Kong and Tokyo. That certainly is impressive, Richard. COVID-19 has had an impact on every industry in every country around the world, and on the aviation industry in particular. How has this affected your practice area and clients over the last few months? Yeah, as you indicate, the pandemic's unprecedented, and it's affected almost every country and every industry. There's necessarily a particular focus on the aviation industry. Faced with uh, drastically reduced flight schedules, and in some cases, postponement of flights altogether. Airlines understandably approach their creditors for deferral or relief of payments under those leases and loans. Um, in In the initial stages in February and March, we encountered a number of requests by airlines for relief based on the legal principles of force majeure and frustration of contract. Although each of those claims might have their place in other contexts, they were largely red herrings for the purposes of our commercial leasing arrangements. The reason is that the main obstacle to a claim for frustration of contract is that our operating lease is what is known as a triple net lease, where the airline is responsible for tax, insurance and maintenance. And in addition, the leases have an unconditional obligation to pay rent come hell or high water. As a result, the contract's not frustrated or rendered impossible to perform as a result of this disruption to the airline's operations. With respect to the force majeure claims, uh, it's only possible to make that claim where there's such a right within the confines of the contract. And another feature of our leasing contracts is they very rarely express that sort of right in our typical leasing and loan agreements. And in addition, there's no implied right to claim for force majeure under English law or New York law, which are the two principal sources of law that are applicable to our industry. So if the airlines don't have an obvious contractual right to stop paying rent, the question is, what did they do or what did they do, Um, particularly in February and March when when these were first um, coming up, these claims? What they do is they negotiate and they turn to their creditors and their governments for relief. With respect to deferrals, the commercial dynamics and long-term relationships at play make this a mutually beneficial arrangement in many cases. Lessors and lenders are willing to forego payment in the short term to help airlines with cash flows so that they can pay later. 
And based on feedback from our clients and the industry, an example of a typical arrangement or that were entered into during that time would be to defer rent for three months and then have the airline pay it back over a period of nine or 12 months. That sounds similar to the real estate industry where large commercial tenants seem to be able to work things out on an amicable basis with their landlords rather than take aggressive action under their leases. Yeah, exactly. And um, landlords, and in the case of the airline industry, the lessors would generally have adequate capital to see them through a short-term rent deferral. In addition, there's, there's usually security in place under the leases in the form of a substantial security deposit, for instance. And often in the case of aircraft, there are also maintenance reserves paid by airlines to cover the repairs and upkeep of the aircraft. So it's not uh, a one-size-fits-all solution, and leasing companies will also analyze an airline's overall financial position and also look at the airline's other sources of alternative financing, including government assistance, before agreeing to any such uh, deferral arrangement. Can you tell us anything about aircraft manufacturers, Richard? There was a lot of publicity about Boeing, for example, when the CARES Act was initially passed, as well as some of the other manufacturers. Sure. So the main manufacturers that we deal with in the commercial leasing space are Boeing and Airbus. Airlines and leasing companies place orders for new aircraft with those manufacturers years in advance. So as a result, there are hundreds of aircraft ready to deliver or in the process of being manufactured right now. And the manufacturers during the sort of pre-delivery period, um, which can run to a number of years, receive a series of installment payments from these buyers. Um, but they won't receive the sort of larger final payment until the aircraft's ready for delivery. So as a result, the manufacturers are dealing with a much lower than anticipated uh, revenue stream, uh, potential oversupply of aircraft into a market with much lower demand, and also the practical difficulties of maintaining its supply chain of parts, which are sourced from all over the world. Even when the aircraft is ready to be delivered, the quarantine and travel restrictions have meant that in many cases, their customers are not able to travel to the delivery centers to pick up the aircraft. The purchase agreements cover these scenarios, but the longer the delay, the more likely we might get involved to provide legal advice to parties in relation to losses and potential termination rights under those contracts with the manufacturers. And sort of on the theme of manufacturers, we've also advised some airlines in relation to claims against Boeing related to the Boeing MAX aircraft, which was the big issue in the industry before the pandemic hit and has been an ongoing issue in the background during the crisis. Shifting gears a bit, Richard, when traditional transactions or access to the capital markets get disrupted or postponed, what solutions and resources can we as lawyers offer clients outside of regular transaction advice? Yeah, there are, there are a few areas that come up. There, there's necessarily a significant hole in the usual stream of deals being done in this transactional practice. Uh, there were several deals, for instance, that got finished um, at the end of March, um, but generally new deals have been on hold during April and May. So our clients have been relying on us to provide high-level advice, particularly lenders and lessors, in analyzing the leases and the loans and we've been providing them with summaries of what actions can be taken um, at a later date 
um, when, you know, when action needs to be taken. Aside from that high-level direct advice, as a firm, we've also been very active in developing tools and resources for the industry as a whole, not just during the crisis, but um, in general. One really good example of that is the World Aircraft Repossession Index, which Pillsbury uh, publish, and it's available to download free on our website. We're now in the, the third edition and preparing a fourth edition. Uh, when most people hear about, um, hear that we work on aircraft repossessions, they want to hear stories of the repo man sneaking into airports with bolt cutters to recover the jet and fly it away. Um, I'm not saying that never happens, but what is important to remember uh, is that gaining possession of an aircraft is a legal process that requires careful advanced planning and expert advice. The, uh, the World Aircraft Repossession Index helps with identifying some of the potential legal obstacles in certain jurisdictions and hopefully increasing the chances of a voluntary return of the, of the asset so that those bulk cutters aren't needed. The index has been a trusted resource for the in-house legal departments and credit committees of our clients to analyze jurisdiction risk in advance of entering into deals relating to aviation assets. Uh, we, in the first edition, the Pillsbury team responsible developed a questionnaire and methodology which allowed us to gather all of the relevant information in a consistent format to allow comparisons to be made among the various jurisdictions with respect to multiple key factors, including the speed and cost of repossession and insolvency proceedings. The result is a concise, colorful and user-friendly index with a one-page summary for each jurisdiction with the overall results of our analysis represented in a global rankings chart and a world map, which indicates the comparative ranking that each jurisdiction achieves. What tends to stand out to people is that, broadly speaking, the lower risks among those over 100 countries that we survey uh, are associated with North America, Western Europe, and other developed nations, which isn't surprising as the, the methodology that we, use, that we use for the index gives weight to political and legal stability in addition to the specific uh, insolvency and aircraft-related questions that we ask local council. So the, the fourth edition is going to be published later this year, and we'll be taking into account some important updates to insolvency law for countries such as Brazil, India, Israel, and Russia, which have been enacted since our third edition, which was in 2018. And we're also going to feature an additional supplement focusing on issues related to engine-only leasing. I think these other creative solutions are really important because the industry hasn't embraced the stimulus package on offer to it. Can you shed some light on the key areas of focus for the future, as well as your views on any surprises you've seen since the outset of the crisis? Yeah, the, uh, the fact that there's so much uncertainty still heading into August is surprising to many of, many of us optimists who are looking at the outlook at the beginning. We, um, in most respects, leasing companies have prepared and anticipated well by preserving capital, and many are expecting a second set of requests from airlines who are continuing to struggle to get back to normal service. 
On the other side, we were pleasantly surprised to see that many airlines did not need to ask for deferrals at all, or they submitted requests in the early stages and then were able to withdraw those requests as their operations came back or as they received government support. Uh, the leasing companies have been able to tap into existing and new lines of credit and and also they've been able to successfully access the bond market. There's uh, another development is that there's been a return to certain sources of financing, which were popular during the last downturn, such as export credit financing and WTC financings. Airlines are finding it much harder to find favorable terms for financing, as we saw with the recent bond issuances for some of the, the major US carriers. As we, uh, as we look forward for the rest of the year, um, we know that there'll, there'll be further airline insolvencies. It's, uh, it's given us a chance to introduce our, our clients and work with them uh, with our sort of world-class insolvency practice, which has uh, enabled our asset finance team to advise creditors in that process. And we've worked together with the clients to handle the complex restructuring arrangements which are required uh, to help those airlines emerge from those bankruptcy proceedings. It's great to see us pull together intersecting practice areas to support creditors during times of upheaval in the aviation industry. Any last thoughts to impart? Well, we're looking at the positives. The industry is working together to provide stability for the airlines and for safe passenger travel, which is, is the priority for us all. I am impressed, um, but not surprised by the ability of the industry to rise to these challenges. Uh, we've dealt with turbulence in the industry before, and I'm sure we'll be able to ride it out. Thanks very much, Richard. I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Thanks again for inviting me, Joel. And now it's time for This Week in History. Having a British guest in Richard Evans has inspired me to stick with a British theme. July 26th is the birthday of one of rock and roll's most recognized lead singers, who is also a great lyricist and one of the all-time greatest showmen in the entertainment world. Responsible for two iconic rock anthems from the 60s that resonate as much today as they ever did, Street Fighting Man and Sympathy for the Devil, we toast Mick Jagger, who turned 77 this week, and hope he keeps on doing his thing for years to come. To all of you tuning in, Thank you for listening to Pillsbury's Industry Insights podcast.